0: So if you weren't here last week, and we're going to fly through a lot of stuff, so I'm just going to ask you to bear with. Um, If you weren't here last week, my objective here at the beginning of the new year is for me to convince you and for the Holy Spirit to convict you, okay, my job is to convince, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict, for you of the importance of being with the gathered church every single week that you can possibly be with them, okay? That's what... We're asking God to do in our minds and in our hearts. I said last week, we live in a day when attending church is increasingly neglected. It's, it's sort of optional material. It's taken very lightly. I mean, it used to be the days when it was just assumed that you would be in church 48, 50 weeks out of the year, that you would, not, you would only miss if there was a death in the family or you were deathly sick, not a sniffle, but deathly sick. Um, or you were out of town for some reason. And uh, today, it just seems like occasional has become the new normal. And I want to fight that. As as a pastor, I want to fight that. Uh, I think it's our culture invading the church. And I I really believe that we need to resist that. Just some review from last week. We'll put the review slide up on the screen. Things that we covered last week, reasons. I'm going to give you 15 reasons. We gave seven last week, eight this morning. First of all, Jesus modeled it. It was his custom. He was raised to go to synagogue every week with, with his mom and dad. And then as an adult, he modeled it. And we're told to, we are to be imitators. We're to imitate Jesus. Paul says that he imitated Jesus. And one of the ways you imitate Jesus is to do what Jesus did. One of the things he did was he was in synagogue every week, all the time. The early church practiced it. One of the words that you see repeated over and over and over in the book of Acts is the word together. They were together, they were together, they were together, they were together, they were together. They met in homes like in our life groups. They met in in the temple. They gathered together for worship, for prayer, for fellowship. They were together. The love of God compels that we be with the gathered church. Um, We take the love of God so for granted and yet, and yet, if you just stop every Saturday night, maybe, just every Saturday night, stop and remind yourself of the love of God. Where would you be apart from the love of God? The fact that your heavenly father loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you and for me should compel you to say, yes, tomorrow morning is not an option. Tomorrow morning, I have to be there, if for no other reason than to say, thank you, Lord, for your great, great love. It really should compel us. I I would go so far as to say shame be on our heads when the love of God does not stir us. When, When the love of God does not stir us to be with His people. Our new identity assumes that we'll be with the people of God. Again, we are fellow citizens with the saints members of the household of God, fellow heirs, partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus. We're a chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We are the children of God. That's our identity. There's a verse that we looked at this morning. I'm going to ask you to go to the next slide, and then we'll go back to this one. A verse that they looked at downstairs this morning that I threw in here from Revelation. To him who loves us, There's the love of God compelling and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom priest to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That verse captures several of these, okay? The love of God compels us. We have a brand new identity that just assumes that we'll be with the people of God. Next on the list, back to the first slide, the Spirit who dwells within you yearns for you to be here on Sunday mornings, the Holy Spirit who dwells within you would 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 say to you when you are someplace else doing something else for no really, really good reason, the Holy Spirit would say, Why are we here? Why are we not there? Why are you why are you why are you sleeping in this morning? Why are you doing why is something else more important? Why is this more important than this? I really believe the Holy Spirit grieves and in, in himself. It says that God's Spirit grieves. One of the ways that we grieve Him is when we take this sort of with a laissez-faire attitude. Next on the list was the big three. The big three are against you being here. The world, the flesh, and the devil will fight you tooth and nail to keep you away from being with the gathered church. The world, the world demeans it. You don't need it. You can be spiritual without the church. Just... Listen to Oprah. She'll tell you how to be spiritual without the church. Listen to, you know, whoever. The flesh disputes its value. Your, your, your old nature really disputes whether or not it's really worth it. Is it really worth the effort to go to church this morning? And the devil detests it. The, your enemy detests you being here. Satan hates the fact that we're here this morning. And then lastly, from, from last week, you're actually, I believe, spurning God who loves his church when you disregard the gathered church. <clears throat> I thought I had this morning was, and you could, you could try this for yourself. <clears throat> try telling God, I don't think being at church on Sunday mornings is really all that important. And then say to him, you understand, don't you? Try that. How will that go down? Try having an actual conversation with Jesus, just you and him alone, so nobody thinks you're crazy, just get alone with Jesus and explain to him what you're doing and why you've made other things more important or why your laziness is okay. Try explaining to Jesus why you're not worshiping him, why you're putting yourself under the teaching of God's word and being with the saints is, is just kind of not that important. I just really think we need to make it personal with God rather than just sort of me making my own decisions. I received an email this week, and I asked for permission from the person who sent it to me if I could read it to you. Um, Pastor Gary, I had a much-needed break from work for a week during the holiday time. I spent time in reflection of the past year and the anxiety I've been struggling with. During that time, God really laid it on my heart that I was allowing lies to overcome truth especially when it came to church and spending time with my church family. I know I feel much less anxious when I attend church, when I spend time in prayer and studying scripture, when I spend time with my church family and with my life group. I missed church quite a bit during the last year and continued to justify it because I had, quote, good reasons. My family needed me for various reasons, which led to just hanging out with family, preparing for work, getting caught up with things around the house, Anxiety about being around people, which led to a higher anxiety and deeper depression. One excuse led to another, creating a habit of making excuses to not attend. I wanted to make it a New Year's resolution to get back into the routine of attending church regularly. I spent time praying about it during my break. I asked God to help me be more committed in my time with the Lord. So last Sunday, as I heard the sermon, my eyes welled up with tears. As I heard God speak to me through the words you said, I heard the words louder than the lies. That's so good. So I am now working on a life resolution. Not a New Year's resolution, a life resolution. Thank you for your sermon. I needed those words at that exact time. I am so grateful that God put this series on your mind what a great way to start the year, and I look forward to the second part on Sunday. And that person is here this morning. Okay, let's roll. Eight through 15, you ready? <clears throat> Number eight, you can't participate in this when you stay home. You can't participate in corporate worship when you are telling yourself, well, I'll just stay home and worship by myself today. This doesn't happen. You can't join your voice with other voices in praise to Jesus when Scott leads us on a Sunday morning. By the way, even if you have a terrible voice, did one of these guys say they had a terrible voice? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just really believe that God's people are called to sing, even if we have lousy voices. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, okay? And so when you add your noise to other people's altos and Tenors and sopranos, your voice actually sounds pretty good. So um, you, you can't sing praises to God when you're not here. You can't pray collectively when you're not here or in your with your life group. <clears throat> when you're not with the gathered church, you just simply miss out. Yeah. I think when the saints gather together, when Christ is lifted up in our singing and praises and prayers, when we are collectively bringing God glory, when we are listening to God's word being preached and taught, when we're lifting up the name of Jesus, I really believe that there is a spiritual power that gets unleashed in that setting that doesn't happen anyplace else. I think there's something that the Holy Spirit does in this kind of a setting that just doesn't happen anyplace else. I really believe that. But more than anything, I believe with all my heart that it just pleases the Father tremendously when we do this, and that should motivate you. It brings pleasure to the Father's heart when we do this, and when we do it regularly, we come together for His pleasure. We are far too much pragmatic when we think about coming to church for what's in it for me How about thinking about what's in it for God? And then secondly, what's in it for the people who will be there if I show up? Scriptures, scriptures. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, Psalm 34. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's there's the encouragement let us not neglect meeting together, but as, as the habit of some. But all the more encouraging one another, all the more. I was glad when someone came along and said to me, "Come on, let's go to church." You see, God didn't make us to worship in a solitary fashion. Don't get me wrong. I I love my personal time alone with the Lord. It is a very important part of my day. I need that time in the morning for reading and listening to what God is wanting to show me and teach me, for pouring out my heart to God, for thanking Him, for confessing my sins. I need my personal quiet time with God every day. It's a part of the rhythm of my life. But friends, all of our individual devotional times are then to be brought together in a collective fashion, so that you come with your heart prepared from your quiet times, and other people come and they've been meeting with the Lord, and then we all bring it together collectively as the people of God. That's the way it's supposed to work. Number nine, hearing the preaching and teaching of God's Word requires it that you be here. Hearing the preaching and teaching of God's Word, whether it's up here or in in rooms downstairs. You know, it says of the early church, what does it say of the early church? Acts 2.42. Read the verse with me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted, them. they dedicated themselves. They didn't let anything else get in the way of being under the apostles' teaching. They were zealous for the apostles' teaching. They were impassioned to receive the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. Ask yourself, what am I devoted to? What are you devoted to? If I were to walk through the week with you, or if a friend, someone you trust, were to walk through your week with you, what would they conclude that you are devoted to? Your job? Nothing wrong with that. Your marriage? If you're married, let's hope. Your family? If you're a mom or a dad or a pops or a ya-ya, let's hope you're devoted to your family your friends are you devoted to the apostles teaching are you devoted to the preaching and teaching of god's word or is it sort of yeah paul exhorted young timothy who was the pastor of the church in ephesus preach the word timothy be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with complete patience and teaching And then he says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And by the way, that time has come. That time is, I don't know when it arrived, but that time has come. We live in that time when people don't endure sound teaching. He he goes on to say, but having itching ears, I always picture a dog scratching his ear at that point, I'm not sure why, having itching ears... They will accumulate for themselves teachers, but teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so there's going to be plenty of teachers, uplifting teachers, feel good teaching, self improvement teaching, Joel Osteen teaching, Oprah teaching. Uh, Somebody told me this morning about Jediism. You know the, the, I guess it was written up in the post dispatch say, Jediism, the, the, the sort of the cult teaching about the force within you. You know that's your spirituality. Well, there's all kinds of teaching, but you need to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. Otherwise, friends, you're getting a lot of teaching throughout the week. You know that, don't you? You're getting lots of messages. You're being bombarded. This wasn't the time, this wasn't the way it was a hundred years ago. They didn't get lots of lots of messages bombarding their brains and their spirits and their affections and their hearts and their emotions. You're being bombarded with messages all week long. And so, please, 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 devote yourself to forty five minutes of the apostles' teaching, the scriptures, the preaching and teaching of God's word, and then add another. 45 minutes downstairs in one of the great Bible classes we have. You'll be so glad you did. By the way, do you know what God says about my feet? You know, some people have really beautiful feet. attractive. My wife has very attractive feet. I'll just tell you that flat on. And then there are those who it should be, it should be against the law for them to bring those boats out in public. You know? God says my feet are beautiful. You know why? Because I preached the word. And what does that tell me? It tells me that to him, the preaching of the word is a beautiful thing. He loves it when the word gets preached. And in order for the word to be preached, there have to be people who listen to the word being preached. That's why you need to be here every week. Number 10, the biblical image of the body portrays it. The biblical image of the body, the human body. <clears throat> this, this comes out in Paul's writings in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Uh, he says, just as the body is one, the human body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. And then he says, so it is with Christ, so it is with Christ, his body. And so he says in his word that the human body is a perfect image of the church in terms of how this thing is supposed to function. How many of you ever had to go without a part of your body functioning really well? Show of hands. A part of your body hasn't been working all that well. Yeah. We've had folks here walking around in foot boots and slings and hands all wrapped up because they got bit by a dog. Um, you know, Dennis, part of his body just doesn't cooperate with his brain because he had a stroke. You know, what, what, is it, what do you do? Well, you manage. You get by but you don't thrive because a part of your body isn't functioning the way it's supposed to be a part of your body is debilitated or a a part of your body is missing perhaps and God says in his word that's the body of Christ when a part of the body is debilitated it needs to be healed or when a part of the body is missing in action doesn't show up the rest of the body suffers and see it's easy for you to say well I'm not I, I'm, not, I'm not on nursery duty this week, so I guess I don't need to be there. Or I'm not, in, I'm not working in children's church this week, so I guess I don't need... I'm not ushering this week, so I guess I don't need to... No, the body of Christ suffers if you're not here in some fashion. In some fashion, when you are missing, a part of the body is missing. Maybe it wasn't your official service that was needed that week. Maybe it was an arm around someone's shoulder... Or a smile, or a word of encouragement, or a prayer. You need to be with the gathered church because the gathered church needs you. You're a part of the body. Number eleven. This is a long one. Life transforming. Joy. I tried to come up as many phrases as I could. Life transforming, joy generating, iron sharpening, love enveloping relationships thrive in the midst of what we do here as the gathered church. I'm just talking about all of the things that come out of this book that talk about the relationships in the body of Christ. This is where, this is where iron sharpens iron. This is where people get loved. This is where people get taken care of. This is where people get prayed over before they're going into surgery. This is where we find out that somebody needs meals delivered to their home. This is where we have a baby shower for someone who's going to have a baby. The gathered church. I love some of the descriptions that were given of the early church in the book of Acts. They were together. They had all things in common, Acts 2. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all. That's our community needs fund. As any had need, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We'll be doing that at Super Bowl Sunday. And by the way, if you want a list of the soups that I like, just talk to me after church. Praising God, having favor with all the people. There wasn't a needy person among them. As many as were owners of lands and houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as any had need. That's just a lot of amazing stuff going on life-transforming stuff, joy-generating stuff, love-enveloping stuff. See, friends, this is a major, this isn't the only place, but this is a major place where all of the one-anothers of Scripture get activated. You bear one another's burdens, and you encourage one another, and you pray for one another. You forgive one another. You confess your sins to one another. A lot of that should happen when you're gathered with the saints on Sunday mornings and and then during the week when you meet with your life group. <clears throat> this past week when our life group gathered together out in the hinterland of High Ridge at Bill and Diane Menzel's, we, we ate together, biblical, <clears throat> we discussed the sermon, and everybody in our life group had been here last week. Praise God. Great example maybe because I knew I was going to be discussing that sermon and so they figured they better be there <clears throat> and, and then we discussed there were so many comments made last, last Wednesday night by virtually everybody in, in our group about how they have experienced all of the one another's we've wept with one another we've laughed with one another we've, we've forgiven one another we've encouraged one another we've prayed for one another um Jenny and I love being with you all on Sunday mornings. We love being with our life group on Wednesday nights. We love the friendships that God has blessed us with over the years, brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, don't take this for granted. Please don't. Don't take a life group for granted. And if you need one, if if you don't have these kinds of relationships in your life, you need them. So talk to Pastor Will, talk to myself, and we'll make sure that we we get you into where you can experience that life-transforming, joy-generating, iron-sharpening, love-enveloping experience in your own world. Number 12, you will backslide if you neglect church. I'm just telling you up front, you will backslide. I I just don't believe you can't backslide. I don't think it's possible not to backslide if you neglect being with the saints. Uh, Proverbs 14 The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. James has a different word for backsliding. He calls it wandering. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, there's that that sort of slow, slow habit of wandering off. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so whether that's a a wandering unbeliever or a wandering believer, you're wandering. Do you have any idea how easy it is to wander? Have you been there? How easy it is to backslide? I mean, the Bible refers to us as sheep. <clears throat> I think there's good reason. Sheep are prone to wander, Lord, they feel it, prone to leave, the shepherd they love. <clears throat> and so we say, "Lord, here's my heart, take and seal it, Seal it for thy courts above." My wife and I, just just um, a word of notice for you to be aware of, we have observed over the years pastoring most of those years here, some in Minnesota and California. You really need to watch out for people who are going through any type of life change. Any type of life change tends to disrupt their habits. It can be having a baby. It can be moving to a new house. It can be doing a home remodel project. Obviously, big things like a divorce, a death in the family, Anything that distracts and disrupts them from the customs and habits that give them rhythm, okay? And so be watchful as brothers and sisters. Be watchful for people who are going through any life change because that's a, that's a powerful time for the enemy to come in and distract them and get them out of rhythm with the people of God. Number 13, the Bible warns about being careless with church. We've looked at that verse before. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. For me, I will just simply say bad habits are usually the result of me becoming careless. Okay? Does that make sense? If I, if I move, slide into a bad habit, it's just because I'm being careless. I'm being careless with something in my life. <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews says... The habit of some, they've gotten in that habit because they've been careless with going to church, being with the saints. Carelessness means you don't care. If you cared, you'd do something. You care less. That's the word careless. You care less than you used to about whatever. You care less about your marriage. You care less about your health. You care less about your daily devotions. You care less about... Going to church than you did a year ago or five years ago or when you were raised going to church with your mom and dad. They brought you to church every week, but you're kind of careless about it. You care less than they cared. That's the bottom line. You care less than they did. Don't neglect it. Number 14, others' lives are negatively impacted when you dismiss it. Others' lives are negatively impacted, whether you know it or not. Say, oh, Gary, I I can't see how anybody's lives are affected if I'm not in church. Well, they are. Philippians 2, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also let each of you look to the interests of other people. See, your skipping church isn't just about you. We live in this incredibly individualistic society, unlike many other social systems around the world today, where it's more about the group than it is about the individual. You see, as Americans, it's more about the individual than it is about the group. We make the majority of our decisions primarily on the basis of how it affects me. Does it make me happier? Will I enjoy this? Is there something that I will enjoy more than this? See, as Americans, we are individualistic consumers at heart, and so we struggle with having a truly communal mindset where a person thinks as much if not more about the community of which you are a part than about yourself. You with me? And so when it comes to your decisions regarding gathering with the saints, when you dismiss it, other people are impacted. I'll give you three. Your children, if you have kids at home, or even if your kids are grown up and gone from home, if you have children, they, especially at home, they are positively impacted when you're here. They are negatively impacted when you're not. It's just that simple. Don't make it more complex than it is. They are positively impacted by mom and dad when you're here. They are negatively impacted when you play easy with it. They're going a week without being with God's people. They're going a week without experiencing what the church is all about, the family of God. They're going a week without hearing God's word being taught either from the pulpit or from the classroom they're going a week without singing god's praises they're having modeled for them by mom or by dad or by both it's okay to skip the church is optional moderately so yeah we kind of favor it but it's still optional material other things can easily take church's place it doesn't need to be given high priority I could go on and on and on about how a parent's casual decisions to skip church have ripple effects on the kids. And friends, you need to know, they are developing habits and customs by imitating and watching and modeling their life after you. And so if you're you're loosey-goosey with church now, don't be disappointed and all upset with your kids when they're grown up and church isn't that big of a deal for them. As long as it's a positive experience here, and we, we, we do all that we can to make it a God-honoring, life-enriching, life-transforming, joy-generating experience when you come to West Hills. And we believe it'll, that'll, that'll carry on into the next generation. Uh, others who are affected, brothers and sisters in Christ, I've already touched on that. They're affected when you're not here. And then lastly, neighbors, co-workers, and extended family are affected when you play loose with church. Your habit, your custom of being with God's people is sending a message to other people in your life of just how important the worship of God is. That you don't treat this lightly. This is really, really important to you. It's important to you to hear God's word being preached and taught. It's important to you to be with the saints. It's important to you to sing God's praises. It's important to you to do all the things that we do. And that sends a message to your neighbors, to your friends, to your co-workers, to your extended family, your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus. It's a witnessing opportunity when they ask, why is church so important to you? Why can't you come join us for this activity? Well, number one, I wish you had planned that. Next year, could we plan that activity at a different time? Could we plan that activity for Sunday afternoon instead of Sunday morning? Could we plan that activity for Saturday instead of Sunday? Because, yeah, I I make no apologies, but this is really important to me. It opens up opportunities for you to witness, and they say, why? And then you can tell them why. And then lastly, we just need to understand the faith of future generations depends upon what we do with the church today. I would ask you the question, what will be the condition of the church 30, 40, 50 years from now in America? I firmly believe that the sovereign Lord of the church will build His church. Nothing's going to get in the way of that. I believe that. But my question is, how will our decisions and the condition that we leave the church in when we are gone have either contributed to its sustained life and and vitality, or to the church becoming anemic and impoverished for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren when they are here and we are gone. Will more people be gathering together to worship the Lord because of our faithfulness to God and His church 30 years from now? Friends, the local church is only as strong as its individual members. Let me say that again. The local church is only as strong as its individual members. And so when we band together week in and week out, through thick and thin, highs and lows, gathering with each other to worship God, to sing praises to Jesus, not gathering to be religious, not gathering to be legalistic, but because God in His grace has made us different people. So, my plea with you, settle it now. Drive a stake in the ground for your sake, for your, if you're married, for your marriage's sake, if you have children, for your children's sake. Drive a stake in the ground. Corporate worship is too important for you to revisit it week in and week out and wrestle with the question, will I go this week or will I sit this one out? Because if you leave it open-ended, excuse after excuse after excuse will raise its convincing voice. You know, some of you have a plaque in in your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have that plaque in our home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I would just say that that's, that's so good. Just be sure that a vital part of that is, as for me and my house, we will devote ourselves to gathering with the saints. I understand circumstances. I understand there'll be times when you're out of town. But even when you're out of town, I really encourage you to see if you can find a group of saints to gather with. It won't be nearly as good as West Hills. <laughs> well, gather with the saints. It'll be an encouragement to them, whether it's a small group or, or what have you. I understand there'll be times when you're in the hospital. Aaron, we do not expect to see you in church next week. I understand when you have a new baby or an illness hits or something else prohibits you from coming. But friends, please, brothers and sisters, just don't give yourself an easy pass. Now, the card. Did you all receive one of these? I need for every person, not every marriage or every house. Does every one of you have one of these? If, if, you, don't have, can, if you don't have one, can you raise your hand? Okay, uh, I need some ushers to go back and grab a stack of them. <clears throat> Let me just say this is a grace card. This is not a card of legalism. Okay, ra- we, we don't have any more? Are there some hiding someplace? Should be enough, I think, hopefully. Otherwise, those of you who don't have cards don't have to come to church next week. <laughs> uh, let me stress this. Every decision we make as Christians is driven by... Okay, now raise your hands, those of you who don't have a card. We've got a few more here. A few more. We'll see how many. Good. Good, we're getting there. One up here in the front, Kyle. Over here. Way over on the wall. Every decision you make as a Christian should be driven by the grace of God, right? This is not, this is not a, a, a decision of self-righteousness. This is not a decision of legalism. This is a d- decision of discipline, Basically saying, I need the discipline to be with God's people. Okay? So I, I made it a little wordy, but for your sake, as a reminder. By the way, this is not... I'm not going to get these. This, this is between you and God. This is going to go in your Bible, or it's going to go on your refrigerator. It's going to go wherever it will serve as a weekly reminder for you to pray and commi- keep this commitment. Through the, through the teaching of God's word... I become convinced of the importance and value of being with the gathered church in corporate worship whenever possible. I confess there have been too many occasions when I have allowed myself excuses that are dishonoring to God for not gathering with the saints, and I confess that I have accommodated myself to a worldly culture that does not give priority to the church and have allowed its values and influences to sway my decisions. While I know there will be those weeks when gathering for corporate worship will be prohibited, I will work and pray to the end that these will always be the exception. Therefore, by God's grace and with His help and with a desire to love and honor Christ and His church, I resolve to seek to be with the gathered church. And that's where you're going to put a number. Out of 52 Sundays in 2018. I want you to... I want you to think about that. We're gonna pray over this right now. Pray for your decision for for you to maybe some of you are gonna say, Boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray that I can be there fifty two weeks out of fifty two, either at West Hills, and if I'm not in town, I'm gonna to try to be with another church someplace else. Or maybe you just know you know that there are certain weeks where it'll it just simply will be prohibited because of something in your life. I understand. Yes, Mark? Making some more copies? Good. So the, you guys are not off the hook, okay? Okay, can I pray for your decision right now? And, and I, I'm going I'm to ask you to, to, to pray. We're going to join our prayers together. This is for God's glory and for the good of the body of Christ, the family of God, and for the glory of Christ. Father, thank you for sending your Son Thank you for your great, great love. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Thank you that when we gather together, we we experience things that are marvelous and wonderful and life-transforming and God-glorifying. Thank you for the West Hills family. And now, Lord, as an act of devotion to you and for your pleasure and for your glory, we are, we are making these decisions. Lord, I, I, I trust that your spirit would lead each one here to make the decision that is, that is theirs. We pray, God, that in the coming weeks and months, we would fall in love more and more with the church. That we would love the saints. That we would love the teaching of the word. We would love the praises of the people. We would love the fellowship. Use West Hills, Lord, for your glory. Whether we are gathered or whether we are scattered. All for your glory. We commit this to you. We commit our decisions to you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and just take a minute, and if you haven't put a number down there, do so. And then we're going to pray for the Lord's table. Hills we celebrate the Lord's table pretty much every week and um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ we invite you to share with us today Um, God's word says to not take it lightly if there are things in your life that need to be confessed if there are relationships that need to be resolved and reconciled do that But then take the bread and take the cup with gratitude in your heart for a Savior who gave his life. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup Passover cup he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood whenever you drink this bread and eat this bread and drink this cup you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes And so Lord we do that today we praise you and thank you we pray in the matchless name of Jesus God's people agreed by saying Rushers, please come.